Jesus said to his, well, to the Jews on that day, Jesus said to the Jews, when the Son of Man is lifted up, then you will know that I am he. And you will know that I have always done only what the Father instructed me to do. You will know that I always do only what pleases the Father. That's what he said. And when he said this, many of the Jews believed in him. Now, to the Jews who believed in him, Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they said to him, what do you mean by this? We are Abraham's descendants. We have never been slaves to anyone. <laughs> well, except for Egypt, Assyria, Canaan, Rome. But never been slaves to anyone. And Jesus said, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. But when the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Jesus said this to the Jews who believed in him. I missed this for so long. He did not say this to a room full of angry Jews. He said it to Jews who already believed in him, people. So if the place to start, perhaps, is to say that the mark of a true disciple is that they are free. If you write something down, write that down. The mark of a true disciple is that he or she is free. Another way to say that is, anything that makes me a better disciple makes me more free. Anything that enslaves me makes me a worse disciple. When I become a better disciple, I become a freer person. I have not seen this for so long. And it might be worth pointing out that not everybody who believes in him is free. Because if I read this right, what he said was, to the Jews who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you continue in my word. So apparently there must be those who believe in him who are not truly his disciples. Therefore, they do not truly continue in his word. And to that extent, they are not free. It is possible then, or is it, to be a Christian, if you will, to be, you know, Abraham's descendants or to be Americans or to be Christians or whatever it is that we use to say, no, wait a minute, I don't have to take that because I am a Christian. I am a follower of Jesus. Therefore, I am free. I hear Jesus saying, just because you put your faith in me, just because you believe in me, does not mean you are necessarily free. Freedom is something more. So please leave open the possibility this morning that even though you have been a follower of Jesus for a very long time, you are still, after all of these years, perhaps not completely free. There is nothing that America values more than its freedom. Ours is the Declaration of Independence, the Emancipation Proclamation. We have the Statue of Liberty. Give me your poor, tired, huddled masses. Those yearning to breathe free, Emma Lazarus's poem, The New Colossus. We have the four freedoms. Freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom from want, and freedom from fear. Freedom, said the president not long ago, 
is not America's gift to the world, it is God's gift to humanity. <laughs> I mean, it's what we use to settle every argument. And two people are arguing, one person some, suddenly says, what you're saying, though, is an infringement on my right or my freedom to do as I please, and immediately the argument is over. It's the holy grail in America. You would think we had this down. Some years ago, I read Julius Lester's book called To Be a Slave. It's a collection of stories from people that were slaves in the 1800s in the South. And, and it was, it, this book rattled me, you guys. They were, they were telling stories of being in the field and, and being suddenly emancipated when they found out that what they called Massa Lincoln had finally set us free. And they would go running out of the fields into their freedom. And did I say that in many cases... They discovered this 10, 12, in one case, 17 years after the Emancipation Proclamation in 1863. I'm telling you that the plantation owners withheld information from slaves deliberately in order to enslave them. As I said, it really rattled me. Wanted to go back and put shackles on plantation owners. For to be free and to think oneself a slave is maybe the worst condition of all. Or not. Or not. What if one is a slave, but he thinks he's free? We are Abraham's descendants. We have never been slaves to anyone. What if one is a slave, but he thinks he's free? Take America, for example. Home of the brave, land of the... It's our national anthem, man. And yet, we have more people incarcerated in prisons than any other nation in the world. We have more disposable income than any other country, but we have more addictions to food, to sex, to substances, to shopping. We are free to marry whoever we want to marry, but half of them end in divorce. Others live single. You would think if you were free to marry who you wanted to marry, you'd be happier in the end. In fact, there is no statistical correlation at all. We tell our kids, you are free to be anything you want to be. And what it does is paralyze them. They stand at the fork of a thousand different decisions and they don't know what to become. Is that really a better condition than slavery? What if one is actually enslaved but thinks they're free? We have technology that frees up hours, but we have less margin. Maybe we don't know what it means to be free. The freer we talk about being, the more it seems we back into some kind of captivity. What is wrong with us, you know? Am I the only... Do, do you see this? You just say, do not say something, throw a something, throw something, shout, whatever. You need to talk back today. 
And I think part of it is because freedom is not simply the absence of an external threat. It's the absence of an internal threat or an internal deficiency. So even though I may live in a country like America who is all about protecting us from our enemies, both foreign and domestic, that is, there will be no external threat. We're not going to pay ransoms for hostages. We're not even going to negotiate. We're just going to bomb the heck out of you guys if you try to inhibit our freedom. But if we do not have disciplines of restraint on the inside that balance our lives and keep us from running into excess, then we will be slaves to things inside of us and not outside. Yes? So even though the country says you're free to become anything that you want to become, we know that you're not free to become anything that you want to become if you are deficient in the skills required to become it. It's why you don't play in the NBA. It's not because you don't want to. I love you, but you just ain't good enough. <laughs> so even though these external forces and structures and laws have been moved for you to do this, you still got to have the chops to be able to do what you say you want to do, or you are limited by your deficiencies, or by something in the past, or by a self-esteem that is too low to try something. These are not external threats. These are internal dispositions that hold us back. So it's possible that all the while we speak of bringing the home of the brave and the land of the free, we are all about getting rid of external threats, but not paying enough attention to the internal threats or the internal deficiencies. Are you with me so far? We're just getting started. Jesus was taken out into the wilderness one time and he was tempted by the devil in three temptations. The last one went like this. The devil took him to a high place and he said to Jesus, look over the, look over the kingdoms of the world. All of these things I will give to you if you'll but bow down and worship me. You cannot say that he really couldn't have given him the kingdoms of the world. If you say that, then the temptation has no chops. He's offering Jesus what he could not, in fact, give him. We have to believe that at that moment, the prince and power of the air had control of the world. And what he said to Jesus was, if you but bow down to me here, right now, I will then give you all the glory, splendor, success, prosperity, power, whatever you want. Have you ever asked yourself the grief that he could have saved himself if he just would have bowed down? I mean, he stood up and said, I am the son of God, and nobody believed him. But if he would have bowed down, they would have believed him because he would have had glory and splendor, and everybody would have seen it. He'd have had traction in this world that he never got because he wouldn't bow down. 
But instead of bowing down, and, and he could have told himself, you know, this is just between me and the devil. I'll bow down now. And then from here on, I have everything that I really want. That's like every temptation that you've ever faced, is it not? You don't have to wait for it. You can have it now. Let's do just a little, just bow just a little bit right now in private. Nobody will know it. And you're not really a slave because you chose to do it. So if you chose to do it, you're nobody's boy. You're nobody's slave girl. You just bow down a little bit right now and then I will give you all of the success and pleasure and feeling and admiration that you want in the future but it will come at the price of obedience. Have you ever asked yourself what we received in the cross that we would not have received if he'd have bowed down? Thank God he didn't bow down. And so writing of this, Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, the way of the cross is the way of obedience and it is the way of freedom for it is the way of God. We are not free as long as we have internal threats and the only way to get rid of internal threats is the way of obedience. Man, this is a hard message for me. Holy cow. I never... I never met a rule I liked. Hate them all. Because I grew up religious. And religious people set rules for no apparent reason. Well, if they have reasons, they're not always great at communicating them. Sooner or later, it comes down to either because we are the board, we are your parents, we are the Sanhedrin, whatever it is. That's the thing that... And as you hit your adolescent years, that's no longer good enough. And when they, whoever they are, when they run out of reasons, uh, <laughs> I just run out of obedience. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My wife and I argue about this all the time. If it's 3 o'clock in the morning and the light is red, what do you do? She sits there the whole time waiting for that sucker to change. Me, I think to myself, now you know, laws are there to regulate traffic. Look around, there is no traffic. You do the math. We'll argue about this. It's because she never met a law that she didn't like. I never met a law that I did like. So when I hear Jesus suggest that the way into freedom is the way of obedience, Man, I'm having a hard time with this. Till I realized that two or three verses before, Jesus himself was obedient. Listen to it again. As soon as the Son of Man is exalted or lifted up, then you will know that I never did anything on my own. I only did what the Father instructed me to do, for I always do only what pleases the Father. That's obedience. And I simply have to suggest whether it is easy or hard if the Son of God has to obey. So do we. You 
understand by the time John chapter 8 gets here, when he said that in 28, 29, he's already walked on water, fed 5,000, healed, de raised dead people, healed lepers. Somebody can do that. They can do anything. But he realizes he can't do anything unless he operates within the constraints of obedience. Therefore, what passes, listen to me, church, what passes for obedience today is not really obedience. It's why I chafed under it. It's compliance. Compliance is, these are the rules, you know the rules, you keep the rules. Sometimes you agree with them, but not all the time. But you keep them because they are the rules. But there are a few strong-willed people in this room who have a hard time with that. You don't need to identify. I know who some of you are. What you want is obedience. Obedience is not compliance to somebody else's wishes. Obedience, listen to it, is the alignment of your mind with his mind. So that when a Christian obeys the word of God, we don't do it because we are subject to the authority of God's word. <laughs> Dude, we do it because it has become our word. If it wasn't written down, we'd have done it anyway because we'd have figured out by now that is the best way to live. And so when a Christian reads and keeps the law of God, it is never because they're standing outside the law of God, just reading the law of God. It is because he is drinking that thing and he's assimilating it. And so when he acts in default, he does exactly what the word of God says. And when we hit that point, we are free and not a day before. Hear me, church, not a day before we hit that point are we free. So freedom always comes from obedience when it is real freedom. Freedom is not independence. Independence is breaking loose from some constraint that was holding you back. And so when you say, I know the rules, I ain't going to do that, you're just breaking loose from something that you think was holding you back. Freedom is what you're becoming, not what you're getting away from. So when a person is free... They are fully becoming what they were designed to be. And that is amazing. That's amazing. When you are truly free, you can be creative. You can be spontaneous. 
the great apostle Michael Jordan said. <laughs> he said, I jump and decide in the air. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> ah, that's free. He literally did. Only he'd leave at the free throw line. And when you have that kind of hang time, you can decide in the air. He wasn't born with that kind of hang time. You don't work out. You don't discipline yourself. You'll have the hang time of a sumo wrestler. Because freedom always comes after discipline. And every single one of you who have mastered something in your life know this is true. What people keep calling talent, oh, you're so gifted. Yes, but if we do not discipline that talent, we will never be able to do creative, spontaneous, fresh, beautiful, good things. We're just another mediocre player. Freedom always comes out of obedience when it is real freedom. And obedience always leads to freedom when it is real obedience. Because it changes our minds. We default into God's mentality. God could do this. Therefore, the only free person in this room. We are Abraham's children, you say. We're Christians. The only free person in the room right now are those who can only do what is good. To be able to choose between what is good and evil, said Thomas Merton, is the simplest, lowest form of freedom. And you're only free, you're only free if, when you have that choice, you always choose what is good. Because if you choose what is evil, you set into motion consequences that you can't control. Yes? Let's back up. We are mortals. We are not gods. So we cannot control actions and consequences. We can only control one of the two. So the moment we decide to act in a certain way, the laws of life take over and the consequences will be forthcoming. You may bow to the devil on the mountain, but I promise you, he will come and collect rent. Once you make a decision, you've lost control of the consequences. The other way is if you choose to do the consequences, if you decide the kind of life that you want, and then you backward engineer and try to become the kind of person to do that, you've lost control of the actions. 
If you want to look like, if you're a guy, if you want to look like a bodybuilder, you don't get to pick what you're going to do. Your life has been, you did that when you came to college. You said, I think I'm going to be an uh, economist. I'm going to be a nurse. They didn't say, great, take any class you want. Did they? No, they said, what consequence would you desire? You said, well, I think I'd want to be a nurse. They said, good, we own you. <laughs> From now, for the next four years, you chose the outcome, we'll choose the actions. It's the way life happens. So the way you know you're a slave is if when you do what you want, you don't always like what you get. You chose your action, but you couldn't control the consequence, and that's when it hurt. Do you find yourself in that from time to time? You keep doing things that you say, this really isn't that bad of a thing at all. I mean, people think it's bad, but is it really bad? And as long as I don't think it's bad, then it really can't be that bad. No, wait a second. The rules in life are already determined, aren't they? It's not whether you think it's bad for you. It's whether or not it is really bad for you. Do the wrong thing and think it's right, and you will still hate the consequences. The other way to know you're a slave is if, in order to get that consequence, you don't like what you got to do. <laughs> That's even worse. That's called legalism, by the way. You want to go to heaven? I mean, and who says, no, hell's fine. <laughs> you want to go to heaven? Yep. Then here's what you got to do. And you go, oh, man, that's going to bite. <laughs> You're not free. You're going to heaven. But there are lots of slaves in heaven, maybe. If not, you'll be the first one. <laughs> You're not free. People, we are not free. Listen to it. We are not free. until the thing that we want to do lines up with the consequence that we want to have. So to the degree that we read Scripture, and it seems to us an alien word outside of us, hard to do, restricting our freedom, we are not actually free. And to the degree that we keep rules and regulations of religious orders, but we don't really like it, we're not really free. How do we get there? Jesus said, if you continue in my word, Oh, if you continue in my word, I will make you free. There's a direct correlation in the church today between, I think, biblical illiteracy. There's probably a better way to say it. Between Christians who are bored with the Bible. There, that's the best way to say it. 
Because that's a fact, brother. That's a fact. We watch way more movies than we read scripture. Come on now. And I think there's a correlation between our illiteracy or our lack of love for the word of God and our bondage. If you continue in my word, what is this? If you have devotions, you think that's what that is? No, the, the word continue means abide. It means move in, settle down, make your home, live here. Let me translate that. If you move inside of my word, if you move inside of my word and you settle down in my word, you will be free. Not all at once. Jesus is not calling for an experience here. He's calling for a discipline. See, I missed this. They kept saying, be sanctified and you'll be free. No, wait. Continue in his word and then you'll be free. And that's called sanctification. Yes? If you're not sure, yes. I'm sure it's right. We'll talk later. If we, if we make a habit of continuing in his word, his word will rewire our hard drive. So we will start obeying his word because it feels awkward and clumsy at first. And when we do that thing, we will step into consequences where we go, holy cow, that's Greek for amen, amen. Uh, this is a good life. And then we will do it again. It will still feel awkward, but we will do it again. And over time, we will learn a new... James Earl Massey was a preacher down in Anderson College. He was also an extremely gifted pianist. I heard him tell a story some years ago. He said, when I was a kid, my mother made me practice on the piano, and I hated every minute of it. My kids were out, my friends were outside playing. I could hear their voices screaming in the yard. And I'm in there learning the keys. Slavery. But he said, strange thing happened. I saw that there was a correlation between practice and performance. I actually played better when I practiced. And then he said another transformation occurred. The more I practiced and the better I got, the more I liked to practice. So now he said, I can sit down at a piano and he said, you guys, I can play anything I want. I heard, I can jump and decide in the air. And how did he do that? Discipline. And the discipline rewired his desires. So he is finally in a place where the thing he was made to do is the thing that he loves to do, and the thing that he loves to do, he actually does, and when he does the thing that he loves to do, he really digs the outcome. And that is a beautiful life. My word to you this morning is to go back to the Word of God, pick it up, read it, love it again, read it again, absorb it. When you see the words of God, don't just read words on a page. Listen to a voice. Words are channels of communication 
from one personality to another. Oh, people, somebody is talking to you when you read the Word. Somebody is talking to you, and it ain't your youth pastor. It is God Himself. Pick it up and roll around in it and let Him say things that are brand new, channeled along the passages of Scripture. He will do this. He will do this. And you will over time come to hear the Word of God, not as some foreign alien voice, not as some agent of constraint. You will hear it as life. You will read it someday and you will say, he's right about this. Jesus is not only God, he's right. And you know what you may do? Y'all may go back to the kind of stuff you ran from in your adolescent years. That's what might happen to you. You went to college and you said, my parents are gone. I think I'll do what I want. That's fine, but you won't like what you get. But as soon as you get inside the Word of God and He rewires your hard drive, you'll go back and rediscover that life. And when you do, you will step into a bigger one. All right, you've heard enough of me. Think about that for a moment. Each one of you, would you please? Think about the thing that you keep doing that you don't want to do. What is it? Come on now, don't say it out loud, did you? What is it? What do you do that you don't want to do? It ain't hard, is it? Now ask yourself, why do I do that? I mean, when I do that, what do I keep hoping I get as a result? So some of you right now looking to me thinking, well, my problem, Steve, is heck, I can't. It's lust. Well, yeah, but it isn't, no, it's, it isn't your lust that you want. It's either intimacy or it's I want to be desirable to somebody or it's I want significance. I don't know. What is it you keep hoping to get when you do that? It's a grudge, Steve. <laughs> I just have too many enemies. Well, it really isn't hatred that you want. Hatred's simply the price you got to pay to get what you want. What do you really want? Is it justice? Is it to get even? Is it to be respected? What is it that you really want? Now, church, what is the truth about that? Soon as you know the truth about that subject and practice it, you will be free. But every time you walk away from that truth, it's another cord wrapped around you. <laughs>